Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos. And if you're a Demand Gen marketer, you're in the right place. In this podcast, we talk about, you guessed it, how to build and deploy scalable Demand Gen frameworks in a simplified way. You'll learn from me and my experience from being a three-time in-house director of Demand Gen to now founder of Elevate Growth, a B2B SaaS Demand Gen consulting firm, where I've helped over 14 companies deploy a Demand Gen framework from scratch. You'll also hear from a list of guests and experts on the show as well. You can check out elevate-growth.com for more information about me. But for the reason why you're here today, let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me on this week's podcast episode, Old versus New, Why Nurturing is So Much More Than Just Email Marketing. First and foremost, nurturing, the term. Oh my goodness. I love that term because it's so much like the term lead. If you're in marketing or you know B2B, SaaS, any company you've been a part of has always been like, okay, but what is a lead? What's a lead? Let's define a lead. Everybody has their own different criteria and definitions for what a lead is. And I feel like it's the same thing for nurturing as well. Uh, Nurturing can mean email. It could be omni-channel. It could be one specific marketing nurture track. So it's just, it's a word that just has felt so all-encompassing of things that shouldn't always be all-encompassing and sometimes lack intentionality. And so for today's podcast episode, I really wanted to make sure that as we initiate this movement for modernizing marketing, that we also understand what modernization takes from a channel perspective. And nurturing is very much one of those that I've I've been seeing a lot. Um, and I I thought, you know, it could be a good topic for today's podcast episode. So I appreciate you tuning in. Let's dive in. I have always kind of preached from the jump that demand gen is a holistic approach to marketing. It's understanding why things are working, why they're not working, plugging some of the holes, filling in the leaks, and really understanding why we're doing what we're doing, like the intentionality behind it and determining what our success success metrics are going to be from this plan that's going to be derived. And of course, my favorite way to approach demand gen is by reverse engineering the thought process by starting with the business objectives and then making my way into a plan that then makes those objectives come to light. And for me, a holistic approach takes into consideration the entire buyer's journey. It's not where one channel specifically goes down its own full funnel journey. There's very much ways that a a channel could support multiple different pieces of the funnel, but you should not think LinkedIn ads should have awareness through conversion. Google ads should not have awareness through conversions. Email marketing shouldn't have awareness through conversions. And that's very much what I've seen when it comes to like email marketing programs or email nurturing programs specifically, where they either base it on like a lead score or like a persona profile fit. And based on the engagement or the content interest, they then navigate them through the different tracks, highlighting if somebody's lead score is zero to 10, you know, 11 to 50 and like 50 to 100. And then 100 is the trigger to become 
a quote-unquote MQL, which then gets handed off to an SDR or BDR for further qualification, even though no like conversion action has been done, it's just been an engagement score, if you will. And so I feel like the way that we can modernize this is by first saying like an email marketing strategy doesn't always directly correlate a lead score with where a person is in their buying journey. Um, because you have all these other different aspects that are, you know, now a part of the modern buying process that contribute to somebody's internal, if you will, level of education of your brand, of your product offerings, and essentially whether or not they're going to take that next step. And that's more than just outside of if they're going to receive an email, click on the email, read the email. And so I really want to make sure like from a demand gen holistic standpoint, we're thinking about things more than just the minute detail of every single channel, then taking its respective spiral for pushing somebody through the funnel. And one of the old playbooks um, that I'm actually still seeing surfacing um, is the push to get prospects to submit a form. Just get them to submit a form and we'll nurture them. That's what I hear. Just, you know, get them to convert and we'll nurture them until they're ready to buy. And I think that there's so many different ways that we could approach this better because modern B2B buyers are bored of that strategy. They're bored of form submissions. They're bored of email marketing because it's it's all the same thing all the way around. Like their inboxes are cluttered. Everybody's using the same playbook. The messaging is all the same. You know, hey, first name, quick question. And then like staple templates with a little bit of dynamic content. Um, sometimes people don't even tailor it. I don't know. So <laughs> we've seen some pretty good, um, some pretty good and some pretty bad examples on what not to do with email marketing. And I think there was an episode that I did way back in the beginning of this podcast time where I talked about some um, innovative ways to approach email marketing outside of just, you know, adding or like stuffing somebody's first name into the subject line. So make sure you take a listen if you have further questions about that. But in my, in my experience, people are bored of this traditional submit a form and get nurtured until I'm finally ready to buy. If that's five years later, the buying process has a lot of other different touch points that are associated with that. And I even think now it's upwards of more than 10 touches that a B2B buyer has. I mean, if we think about like all of the different channels that we would put together as a demand gen marketer to be in front of our audience, you got, you know, website and landing pages, content marketing, um, email marketing, social media, paid ads, um, events, webinars, um, in-person conferences, fireside chats, um, sales activities, sales calls, demos, um, remarketing, uh, if you do any type of like direct mail. So all of those different components in and of itself, I think that was what, like nine that I counted on my fingers. Um, and I'm probably like forgetting stuff, you know, this is just like stuff from the jump. So the point is, is that not every single one of these channels, you know, content marketing needs to be a full funnel strategy or like website needs to be the full funnel journey or like paid ads needs to be a full funnel strategy within that specific respective channel. Like we need to make sure we're talking about what that journey looks like of all these different touch points and navigating if somebody interacted with a paid ad and they go to a website, what does that journey look like? And formulating that journey instead of focusing on what that website is if somebody landed on the homepage and then clicked 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 like formulating that journey 
that's important, but that's not the entire like end all be all when it comes to an actual like buyer's journey. It's all the different touch points marinated together and integrated together that can help us achieve what we like to call the buyer's journey um, from awareness all the way to conversion and beyond. So um, I think it's also really important to call out that marketers are forgetting that channels actually work in unison of each other, right? It's one of the things I was talking about. Um, uh, what does a journey look like from a paid ad to a website? And marketers are forgetting the creative aspect of an integrated omni-channel approach. And the creative aspect is what's going to be required now for B2B buyers in order to catch their attention. People are bored of that old playbook of quick question, first name, right? Like they're just bored. It's not going to catch their attention anymore. So taking that into consideration with the level of creativity and then also making sure that we're approaching it from a holistic standpoint is going to help us better understand how to navigate our marketing strategy to then generate that awareness that's needed to build a brand and then to drive that level of interest and then to gain that conversion. There's going to be so many steps in between that that creativity and fundamentals are really going to come to play and then making sure that they're all integrated and working strongly with each other as well. So of course, this couldn't be the demand gen made simple with Janelle not having tactical takeaways for you today um, on how to actually do this and to be successful because I'm all about tactical takeaways. And if you haven't subscribed to my newsletter, I actually do um, have a newsletter where I provide additional tactical takeaways from these conversations. I'll put the link in the show notes if you know you want to subscribe and continue learning more from me. I would love that. Hashtag shameless plug. Um, so the first tactical takeaway for today's episode of old versus new and that nurturing is more than just simply email marketing is that you need to understand your audience. And I've been preaching this since day one as well. You have to understand where your audience actually goes to consume their content. What do they consider biblical? When they go and they say, that's the person I learned from, or that's the person that I trust. That's the site that I go to when I want to learn about this new innovative concept what are those places? And then really understanding how you can pay to play for those different places as well. But you have to know where your audience lives, breathes, trusts first in order to create an omni-channel strategy that can be present on those specific channels. The second tactical takeaway is to create that omni-channel, multi-channel plan, and then to really make sure that you're lever this is where the weeds come into the strategy. This is where you integrate what that journey should look like. This is your nurturing strategy. When we talk about how to put all of these thoughts on paper of what we want to do, sometimes a spreadsheet could work really well. You could have the different levels of um, the buying stages if we want to break it out by you know awareness, consideration, decision. If we just need to map it out like fundamentals on paper, you can map that in a spreadsheet of the different segments. And then from there, the different tactics that you're going to put in place to align with the specific respective funnel stages. And you'll see that it's more than just paid ads at the beginning of the funnel. It's paid ads throughout the funnel and how that messaging changes. And then you can start seeing how these channels work together um, to really bring this vision to light. And so, you know, considering all the different channels here that we talked about, social media, content, webinars, events, sales, outreaches, like all the different stages of the funnel are going to be important to better understand 
how all of this can integrate together, and then what specific messaging we want to put in front of those respective audiences. That goes to point number three. Once we understand what that messaging is, then we need to personalize it, not only based on the audience, but then also where we know about um, where they are in the funnel. This is also a very like controversial statement because people are like, oh, you don't actually know where they are in the funnel. Valid. But I do think that we definitely still need to create pieces of content in assumption that if somebody is at that stage, that we can then have that piece of asset that they can discover and continue to learn more and navigate even further. Um, so I, I don't think the funnel is as simple as one plus one equals two. I think it's saying we're going to create this equation and as they plug and play, we're going to serve them the content that makes sense within their journey. So the third point is, you know, personalize your messaging across all the different channels for your audience. The fourth thing is then making sure that you're consistent and how you're presenting your brand and how you want to be perceived in the market. There's nothing that affects a go-to-market strategy more than inconsistency and just like a lack of authority, a lack of like creativity and boldness and really coming to market with saying like, I have a statement, I have a point of view and making that consistent throughout and not just like coming out and saying, oh, we're going to talk about this one thing, getting everybody excited and just be like, just kidding, we're going to go in this direction. And then you lose all that momentum. So it's just, it's really making sure that you're consistent with um, the messaging, the channels, the approach, your brand, all those different aspects of it so that people can really get that momentum going with you alongside you. The fifth thing is to definitely leverage your market automation and your CRM um, technologies. Oftentimes you can leverage like dynamic fields. You can figure out where people are based on what you know about them if they're pre-existing. And then you can create journeys and contents and you know anything else under the sun based on those criteria. And a big thing, this goes back to that episode I was telling you about, about um, email marketing, about some like innovative ideas. One of the things that I've done is I've done trigger marketing based on what we could decipher in the market automation platform. So if we have somebody who's a known contact at one of our target accounts and they're visiting our website and our pricing page and they left and it's been more than five minutes and now their website session is no longer there, we can trigger the notification from a specific, you know, AE or SDR and just say, hey, you know, just wanted to ask if you had any questions, not anything too creepy, you know, not too sales pushy, but just keeping the brand top of mind. That's omni-channel nurturing. Um, and so figuring out ways to maybe leverage your market automation. If you have um, some personas built, say you're using HubSpot, you can trigger dynamic content based on where that person is on your website and what you know about them and get them to then take that next step of um, watching a demo video or reading a case study. Do people read case studies anymore? <laughs> or, um, you know, watching a video testimonial or even signing up for a webinar that talks about how this specific product can help you do X. You know, there's all different types of pieces of content that we could offer and serve. And so again, just leveraging the power of marketing automation and CRM platforms. The biggest thing um, that also not forget is the power of social media. So we've preached left and right that social media is more than just paid ads. It's also the organic side of it. It's building a brand. It's developing that brand voice. 
and putting that brand voice and that um, point of view in the market. And that comes from leveraging organic social channels. So if you take LinkedIn, for example, if you have your CEO and the rest of your go-to-market teams um, active on LinkedIn, given you know that's where your audience is, then the momentum building with that brand and the education and the content could really help nurture those contacts a little bit more to then start visiting your website, to start signing up for some webinars or some events that you're having, to subscribe to your newsletter. Like those are all the different touch points. And so organic social media is often a point that is forgotten just because social media is still almost like foreign, I feel like, unfortunately, where people, they don't know how to use it. So they hire social um, a social media manager or social media marketer to help them do it, which by all means, yes, please do. It's, it's definitely a full-time job. Um, and it, it's a strategy and channel that needs to be taken seriously if you're going to want to be on it. It definitely needs a strong strategy, a method for building relationships, for expanding your follower, your followers, um, to figuring out how you're trending in the market, what's... Um, what's reacting, what's not reacting, and the feedback from that. So really having somebody that's going to be hands-on is going to be really critical as well. The seventh point is to develop engaging content. You guys know this is another one of my favorite topics because if we if we go back to the playbook that I was saying at the very beginning of this episode, let's just get them to submit a form and then we'll nurture them um, thereafter. And so people are kind of sick of that tactic because the form that they submit, the content that follows thereafter, doesn't always align with what they were promised or it's not as meaty as they thought that it would be. So they get discouraged, which then doesn't make them want to continue really to learn anymore from your brand because they were like, eh, this didn't give it. Like, why, why should I try something else? So really develop engaging content. And this is going to help you as you build your omni-channel strategy, because if you have engaging content on social media, somebody clicks to your website, the website is engaging. Now they have this super valuable webinar topic that they want to um, uh, register for and attend. And so they do that and they attend the webinar. And then from there, you offer them a post-webinar say one pager or, you know, guide on how, on how to get buy-in on something. And they're like, oh my God, I've been wanting to champion this for forever. This is the framework that I need in order to do that. And then they can then take that and they can implement it. And they're like, okay, what do I do after implementation? How do I continue um, maintaining this momentum? And then all of a sudden you get this next point of contact where it talks about all the ways to continue the momentum. Those are all, all these different touch points that are involved with building the momentum that somebody has with your brand. And it starts by developing engaging content that keeps them wanting more and keeps them wanting to take the next step with you. The eighth point is to utilize retargeting. So I have also, I preach day in and day out about retargeting. It's such a low hanging fruit tactic that oftentimes gets slashed because budgets get slashed or because people are like, we're only focused on net new. Well, if you're retargeting an audience that hasn't yet converted to the action that we want them to convert, and if they do convert, they're considered net new business, then I would consider retargeting as a net new initiative. Um, so 
use retargeting to support the different levels of the journey. So a great example here is if you're running um, brand ads or, you know, educational videos on LinkedIn ads, and you're getting people that are engaging with that video, you can retarget them with um, those that have watched the video, say, you know, 25%, 50% of that video watched with now video testimonials from actual customers talking about how your product helped them solve X, Y, and Z pain point. And if they're already familiar with their brand, you know, now they're learning more about your product and then you have that social proof behind it. Those are the different omni-channel touch points that we can then put together as um, a strong strategy. And so don't forget about retargeting um, when we talk about uh, omni-channel nurturing. The ninth point is to measure optimize, rinse, and repeat. Those are also one of my favorite words as well. We don't know what channels we should be on if we're just getting started from the jump, if we don't test it. We can do as much research, we can do as much analysis, we can do as much hypothesis, but at the end of the day, we need to formulate that hypothesis and then go into the market and say, is this right? Is this right or wrong? And really having something in place to identify what success looks like and then spiraling back on that and saying, is this a go or a no-go for a long-term strategy? And constant constant analysis, constant learnings to really, and, and this is how you better um, improve your conversion rates, right? Or your pipeline velocity and how the different stages progress throughout the opportunity cycle and really getting back into a saying, okay, if we did this, it works to do from A to B, but what if we come in at this different level or what if we introduce this different piece of content or a different variation of a content asset and see if we can get it from A to B to C, so those are some of the tactical takeaways that I have for today's conversation. But really, I want to leave you with this thought, like make sure that as a demand and strategy, as a marketing strategist, that when you think about nurturing, it's more than just email marketing on a specific lead score or a persona profile fit. It's about the entire buyer's journey. It's about understanding where your audience is and then building that strategy in place to help them navigate their own journey with your brand. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks and see you next time.